Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Arms now wide. If we're going to fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're going to stand, we stand as giants. If we're going to walk, we walk as lions. Well, good morning again. It is Hour two of Mornings with Carmen on this 28th of July. It is a Thursday, which means next up we've got Dr. Peter Kapsner. Uh, before we jump to that, uh, let me share with you this. If you're talking with a, a seven or an eight-year-old and they hear the word recession on the radio, the part of the word they hear is recess. I'm just letting you know right now. And so uh, be prepared in the conversations of the day to interpret the words that you are hearing and how they might be heard or misunderstood by others. All right, the Federal Reserve has raised rates again, another three quarters of a point, and their hope is to mitigate inflation, which means they're trying to cool down or slow down the economy, but they are trying to slow it down without throwing it into reverse. And that is, um, that's a tricky business. So uh, this is going to create even more stress for people who are, for whatever reason, in the in the market for money, right? So people who are seeking to buy houses, seeking people who are um, seeking to grow their business, right? Because money is now more expensive, which I know sounds funny on the face of it, but you know what I mean. So let's be, um, you know, let's be aware of that, and uh, and certainly let's be people who are prepared to help others who are likely going to come to the end of their resources much more quickly in these days as the price of everything continues to rise. Lots of wars and rumors of wars. We we know as people of the word of God that there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. It is going to happen. It's going to persist and continue until Jesus uh, comes and the kingdom of heaven is fully upon uh, the kingdoms of the earth. But we don't yet live in those days. And so in the wars and rumors of wars category today, um, Ukraine has uh, has made some very strategic advances uh, in the counteroffensive against Russia, but that also means that Russia is stepping up its attacks on Ukraine. So if you didn't hear my conversation with Chris Manson earlier this week about um, the effort to supply the people of Ukraine with ambulances, that is absolutely a conversation worth going and hearing and getting involved in in any way that you can. And you can find that posted at MyFaithRadio.com. Or if you download the Faith Radio app, then, uh, you know, it's available like all the other podcasts here. Um, All right. One other Russian storyline this morning. We have talked about uh, the situation related to the WNBA player and U.S. Olympic gold medalist, uh, Brittany Griner, who is uh, currently being held um, in Russia, and she's being tried there. Um, Apparently, there are some proposals going back and forth, and the U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, has indicated that the United States has made, quote, a substantial proposal to Moscow for her release That announcement heightened speculation that the United States uh, may be offering a proposed prisoner swap for a Russian's arm dealer 
um, who is serving a 25-year sentence in Illinois for conspiring to kill United States uh, nationals and selling weapons to terrorists around the world. Uh, and so certainly Brittany Griner's um, offenses, whatever they are, do not rise to that level, um, which tells you that we as the United States are probably not operating uh, in, in from a position of power in terms of seeking her release. So let's be praying for her and others like her around the world who are um, basically hostages um, in, you know, in play in terms of geopolitics. And so um, not only Brittany Griner, but a hundred, hundred, more than a hundred other people around the world who are U.S. citizens who are um, in this kind of situation, which, um, you know, on the forefront of um, of hostage diplomacy is North Korea. Um, and, you know, because we haven't been talking much about North Korea, Kim Jong-un, who's the reclusive dictator of that country, you know, he likes to for people to be talking about him. So he is now giving us cause to talk about him again. He is warning that uh, North Korea is ready to use its nuclear weapons in potential military conflicts with the United States and South Korea. Yeah, that's just a threat that's just right out there in front of all of us. All right. Um, as uh, I know, people are considering buying lottery tickets because the anticipated Mega Millions jackpot is now over a billion dollars. It seems a good time to remind ourselves of the words of Jesus recorded in Matthew 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where they neither moth nor rust destroys nor thieves could break in and steal. We're going to uh, talk about thieves breaking in and stealing a million dollars from a pastor and his wife in the middle of a worship service. Yeah, because Peter Kapsner's up next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Dr. Peter Kapsner is back. Hey, good morning, my friend. Good morning, Carmen. Uh, you just, you know, you took away all my energy for getting the lottery tickets this morning. So I, I'm going to go ahead and just return. I don't even know that you can return a lottery yes, ticket. I don't, but I'm try. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think you can take one back. And um, I also, let me just say this. If you've already bought a lottery ticket and you win, um, just remember, you know, the tithe. Just remember For the sure. tithe and remember that this is a nonprofit ministry. Like, I don't know. That's what I, I guess I'll have to say about that. Um, yeah, I don't know. Let the Lord convict you as he will. Um, speaking of uh, the difference between having enough to supply for our needs and ostentatious wealth, I want you to imagine for a moment that you're preaching and thieves break in and what they steal is the more than million dollars worth of jewels that you and your wife, uh, the pastor and his wife, um, are wearing in that context of worship at that time. Tell people mm. this story. Yeah, so the the pastor's name, it's out of New York City. His name is uh, Lamar Lamar. I'm not sure how to pronounce his first name, but I'll say Lamar Miller Whitehead. And he's part of a I suppose we could almost say a tradition of preachers that have popped up these last uh, 40-ish years 
that have really believed in something called the health and wealth gospel, which is that uh, if you are acting in faith the way that you're meant to act, then God will bestow upon you all sorts of material blessings, including money. And this is a person who, uh, quote unquote, will say, I can purchase what I want to purchase. It's my prerogative to do so. So he he flashes around money. He's got flashy cars, um, a flashy lifestyle, as you said, a million dollars worth of jewelry. And he was uh, doing his sermon about uh, how to handle difficult situations in faith. Will you stand up for your faith if uh, you are, are put to the test? And as he's doing a sermon one Sunday morning in his church, a, a series of thieves broke in and took a million dollars worth of jewelry, as you said, from him and his family. And there was quite a scene. It was being live streamed at the time. He allegedly said uh, and everybody in the congregation that they should leave. And the thieves got away. He's been working with Mayor Eric Adams of New York City to to investigate. And I don't know what your take on this, Carmen. And, and maybe my mind shouldn't have gone to Jesse Smollett and, and how um, he basically frauded or defrauded the Chicago Police Department uh, for the sake of money, career, and prestige. But this pastor has previously been convicted for fraud. He clearly uh, is in it for the financial gain. And, and it just wouldn't, I mean, could this have really happened? And, and it was just the thieves happened to come in during a sermon which, in which he was talking about his faith being tested, and then he could demonstrate for everybody that his faith was strong in the midst of a test. It could be. I mean, it could turn out to be just the like the real deal coincidence. But part of me is smelling a rat in this one, because here's what I, I know about the health and wealth movement. Um, preachers time and time and time and time again have been proven to be defrauding people uh, for the sake of money, and they're really using Jesus to do so. So I don't know what to make of the story, but it's it's disturbing, regardless if it's fraud or real thief, it's really disturbing that somebody would have a theology that says, you know what, whatever I have is mine to do, whatever I want to do with uh, for the rest of my life. I was blessed with this stuff. So it's an interesting story, to say the least. It's a very interesting story. Um, it's a good conversation uh, to tee up. Um, I feel like uh, you might be onto something in terms of the details and the veracity of what's going on here. Um, this is one of those, uh, we are going to wait for the rest of the story. But I do think it's a good conversation for us to have, and it's a good conversation for us to have about church leadership and about what is and isn't appropriate in terms of wealth and particularly of the ostentatious variety. So we're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Peter Kapsner here in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. My day always gets better when I get an opportunity to talk with Dr. Peter Kapsner. 
So, Peter, read us in on what people are doing across the United States, at least some people, um, in response to the decision of the Supreme Court, I mean, in relationship to Roe v. Wade. First of all, it's not as if the status of access to abortion in most of the country has changed at all. And yet the reaction and response of people has been really extraordinary. There's been a rise in vasectomies among young men and apparently sterilization a young, uh, among young women. What's going on here? Yeah, yeah you, you hit it right on the head. And especially for young women in um, red states or more conservative-leaning states in which there has been some pretty restrictive abortion laws put into place relatively quickly with the overturning of Roe versus Wade at the federal level. And in those states, um, some young women have requested, and, and by young men women, we mean anybody under the age of 30 is, is what the article is centering around, have requested to have their uh, tubes tied or their fallopian tubes cut so that they'd be sterilized and that they can't have kids anymore because they're concerned about access to abortion in their state. And there's probably a couple angles that we can talk about. Number one is that the levels of regret that happen later in life for young women who opt to have this procedure are pretty high. And so there's quite a few physicians that won't actually do the procedure because they are concerned, again, about what might happen later in life and the regret. I'm sure they're worried about being open to lawsuits and not having proper counsel and all of that. So there, there's increasingly this... Um, sort of industry, cottage industry of doctors who are willing to still do that procedure and the women have to travel. But I think the harder part about this, Carmen, is that really nobody seems to be questioning that maybe we shouldn't be um, engaged in all kinds of different sexual activity outside of the bounds of marriage. And so we don't have that part of the conversation, number one. Uh, and then number two, I try to think about things from the other side of it. Why Why would uh, a young woman want to get sterilized in this way? And in a culture where we are several generations now into the assumption that uh, sexual activity or sexual union is fine as long it's on, as it's on the grounds of consensual sexual activity. Again, nobody is even wondering about inside or outside marriage anymore, it seems. Um, then young women are or can be at risk, especially in university environments or bar, club, nightclub, um, concert environments, where they might be susceptible to the, the horrors of date rape, and then are, are they get pregnant because of that. And so there's a lot of angles as to, I'm trying to just crawl into the mind of the young women. Um, and I think, again, one thing that's terribly unfortunate is that nobody's asking the question about sexual activity and its appropriateness right now. But there's part of me that is very sympathetic for the way young women have to carry themselves in our world today because they are at risk. And as a, as a dad who has two daughters, I'm very mindful of this. I know too many stories way too close to home where those things happen. And so young women then are opting for sterilization to avoid pregnancy that might come from that. It, it's, a, it's a mess um, from top to bottom on every possible level. And I hope even as I say that, of course, you know, I'm not advocating uh, for the procedure in order to prevent date rape. We need a whole um, up, we need to to rip up the roots of our understanding of sexuality, especially in the church, and begin to to help the next generations move forward in a healthy version of sexuality. So we don't even have these crazy questions on the table anymore. 
We so deeply um, have perverted what marriage is and what marriage is for. We have so deeply perverted um, what it means to be the image bearers of God in relationship uh, one with the other, male and female. We have um, so perverted who children are, um, whose they are, and why we have them, um, and and how they are a sacred trust from the Lord. Um, I mean, I just the the lever the levels and layers of this are so tragic to me. And so then I hear you know some people saying, "Hey, actually, you know, I I would prefer that these people would get vasectomies and have their tubes tied um, and be sterilized to prevent them from." conceiving children if they're going to be engaged in these activities that we all know produce babies. Um, And so, like, right, it's a complex, it's a very complex um, conversation, but it's absolutely one that we need to be having. Um, All right. And then for one of those, like, random headlines of the day that, you know, I I go all week and who am I going to talk with about the fact that a kid was playing chess with a robot and the robot broke his finger? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's this is amazing. This this happened in Russia. I don't. I mean, honestly, I don't even know how to process I what, feel, what took place. I feel like the fact that a Russian robot would be programmed to break the finger of a child <laughs> while playing chess, like clearly, clearly, my propagandist mind is at work there. But um, but what happened? Yeah, no, you're, you're right. Uh, a Russian software developer clearly <laughs> embedded this into the robotic chess player. And uh, and this was going to be a risk. If you sat down with a robot and decided to go move for move uh, in, on the chessboard, you definitely, obviously, your physical uh, life was at risk on some level. So a kid um, <laughs> went ahead and made his chess move. And when you're in a chess tournament, there's a certain amount of time that you're supposed to give to your opponent to be able to make the next move. It's very thorough. It's it's a it's a classy kind of sport or it's supposed to be where you're 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 a gentleman, gentlewoman as you play. And I apparently I don't know exactly how this would have possibly happened, but the the child sort of uh, basically said it's it's time to move and, and made um, indications that it was the robot's turn and that the robot should move. And the robot somehow took umbrage at this and grabbed <laughs> the child's finger and busted it. But the best part of the story in my mind, <laughs> Carmen, is that this kid was a gamer, man. I mean, he, he's got a, he's got a busted finger. They take him uh, off the chessboard and into the medical tent or wherever. They cast him up, and he would not be denied, Carmen. He went back to that chess tournament and kept playing. But I thought it was so funny when the, the, the officials of the chess tournament were like, yeah, clearly something was wrong with the robot. I was like, you think? Maybe we need to think about how know. we're programming this. I, yeah, it was a great I think, story. I think this is going to provoke uh continued conversation about whether or not these AI machines are becoming <laughs> sentient. I totally I think, think that's going in that I, direction. I definitely right, had so, a, a, a Skylab moment, though. I, like I thought right? uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, totally. Terminator, liquid metal machines, they're all coming, Carmen. <laughs> so first of all, these kids um, are way smarter than me playing games that I certainly didn't play as a child. But I have this uh, one more, um, just to, so that you and I could be made to feel bad about ourselves just momentarily. Yeah. But it's, it's, it'll, it'll happen to both of us. Uh, Alina Anna Lee Wicker. Just write it down, put away somewhere, Alina Anna Lee Wicker. Because someday we're going to be talking about her. She's 13 years old. She's already graduated from high school. She's <laughs> dual enrolled in college. And she's been accepted to a medical school program upon her graduation. <laughs> I don't know about I you, mean, but at 13, I was uh, not, yeah, I was no, not I, on this track. 
my my no. life definitely was the old Nintendo eight bit was uh, was my <laughs> life at thirteen and uh, and clearly as opposed to me who bought my PhD on the internet for about fifty five dollars clearly she's going to have a much better future <laughs> ahead of her if she's yeah. already she's into college at thirteen that is stunning she to me. says she says to the Washington Post um I'm just a nor- normal 13, 13 year old I just happen to be a person who works hard to reach my goals. <laughs> that that statement has nope. never said has never been said about me right there, Carmen. That statement never. Uh, so hats off uh, uh, to um, to Anna Lee here. She says I have extremely good time management skills and I am very disciplined. Not like <laughs> Carmen Lumberge and Peter Kapsner. <laughs> Who are talking about me on the radio. All right. Hey, Dr. (laughs) Kapsner, thank you so much. What a blessing. I I always love the time, Carmen. Likewise. Hey, let's uh, let's take a break for Breakpoint with John Stone Street. Do you think much about prayer? Do you think much about prayer? Do you pray much about what you think? You pray about how you're thinking and what you're thinking about and how you're thinking about what you're thinking about? Prayers related to our thought life are essential and important. Wondering what varieties of prayer you engage in. Um, Have you already engaged today in prayers of adoration, Uh, you know, prayers in which you just worship God for who he is. Just just worship God. Just adore him. Bless God. wonder if today you've spent some time in prayers of contrition or repentance, recognizing um, who we are and the reality of our fallenness and our need, our need for grace and God's goodness that he is gracious that he has done everything necessary for our salvation, that grace is available, it's abundant, it's sufficient. Have you prayed today in these ways? Have you prayed prayers of petition today, prayers of intercession, lifting up in your prayers, not only your own needs, but the needs of others? Has God heard your prayers of thanksgiving this morning? Has he heard you lift up Whatever headlines have caught your attention or the names of people about whom you're concerned, has has God heard those prayers today? Have you lifted those prayers up? How about prayers related to spiritual warfare? That not only would the enemy be bound, that God would place a hedge of protection around you and your family and um, his, his laborers, but that your mind and your heart would be protected, that the enemy who's prowling around right now looking for a way in would be bound. Like, have you prayed spiritual warfare prayers today? Have you put on the full armor of God? We're going to talk about prayer with my friend Donna Van Leer. She's going to share with us not only what she has learned about prayer from the scriptures, but what she has learned about the power of God in answering prayer in her own life. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. So I have known Donna Van Leer for eight years. 
Um, we have daughters who are best of friends. Um, I think my child is asleep at her house right now, uh, quite possibly. <laughs> if so, maybe needs to be rousted. I did not know. And I know Donna as a, 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 a Christian woman of conviction. I know her as a wife. I know her as a mother. I know her as an author. Um, I know her as a champion of prayer. And yet, until I listened to her share this teaching on how to pray when you believe that praying doesn't work, until I heard this teaching that is posted on YouTube, um, I did not know the story of the challenge that she faced 10 years ago, um, nor how God has answered prayers in relationship to that. So I'm thrilled to welcome my friend, Sister in Christ. You know her as an author. Um, I know her in all these other ways, and I'm thrilled to have this conversation with her. Donna Van Leer, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Um, so maybe tell us uh, tell us the story, go back as far as you want, um, and start where you want. But I would love for people to hear what happened um, by your own testimony 10 years ago, and then get us into the conversation about prayer related to that. Sure. Yeah, 10 years ago, I started uh, having just these this weird thing where my head would pull to the right uh, for no reason. And I, I would have to work to pull it back to center. And, of course, I thought it was just muscle strain or something like that because I had traveled recently to Alaska there and back. Um, but it kept going on. And even my husband noticed, he said, he said, your, your head keeps pulling over. I said, I know it's so weird. I thought it was a muscle thing. So I eventually went to the doctor and boy, he dismissed me right away. And he said, there's nothing I'm going to be able to do for this. You need to go see a neurologist. He set me up an appointment at Vanderbilt here in Nashville. And I went there and without any small talk at all, this neurologist said, you have a brain disorder. We really don't even know what causes this. Uh, all we know that we can do is put shots in your muscles every three months to keep your muscles soft. And at this point, my my head was pretty far to the right, but I was still able to drive. And he he pulled out six shots that day. And after the fifth one, I started to pass out. He was giving them in my neck. And I thought, oh, that won't be so bad. Boy, was I wrong. That was so painful. And I started to pass out, and he said, well, I won't give you that sixth shot. And as I was walking down the hallway, he yelled out to me. He said, now be sure you set your appointment for the next three months for your next round of shots. And I thought, you got to be kidding. I, I have to go through this every three months for the rest of my life? Because he told me, he said, this is incurable. This is something that you're just going to have to live with for the rest of your life. And mm. as I was uh, driving out of the parking garage, my phone rang. It was my husband, Troy. He was at home with our three kids. They were still too small at that time to stay alone. And he said, well, what did the doctor say? And I said, well, he said, there's something wrong with my brain. And he said, well, we knew that, but what else did he say? <laughs> and I laughed and cried at the same time. Because I thought, I, there's something wrong with my brain. But then the other part of my brain said, Jesus created my brain. God created my brain. He can heal my brain. And it just continued to get worse. It, it finally got to the point where it was locked over my right shoulder. I couldn't turn my head at all. 
because prior to that, I could kind of will, will it. I could kind of will myself to get it to turn center. Uh, but then that was all over. I couldn't do it at all. It was just locked. And the most frustrating, sad, angering thing for me, Carmen, was when I would go to church and I would walk down the halls to this place or that place in the church and people would stop me and they would say, oh, my goodness, what happened to your neck? Were you in a car accident? Did you fall? What in the world happened to you? Does that hurt? And ask me all sorts of questions, give me all sorts of advice about what to do. But no one prayed. No one ever prayed at that moment. If someone would see me in the grocery store, in a park, at a sports field, wherever I was, and I was disfigured. My head was locked over my right shoulder. Again, people would stop, lots of questions, lots of advice, no prayer ever. But a lot of people would say, I'm going to pray for you, but then they'd walk away. And for the longest time, I was just sad, and I thought, Lord, why aren't any of your people praying for me? But then after months of this, I got mad. <laughs> I thought, Lord, why aren't any, any of your people praying for me? I just got so frustrated. And I never went back for those injections, Carmen. I thought, I can't do that for the rest of my life. They weren't treating the problem anyway. It was just treating the symptom in the muscle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I told Troy, I said, I'm going to take God's word and I'm going to I'm going to start praying and fasting and that my head will go straight on my head again and that this pain will be broken. Because if a part of your body is locked into position, it hurts other parts of your body. Our body is meant to work you know, together. And uh, so I was in a lot of pain all the time. And he said, well, how long are you going to fast? I said, I don't know. And I just started. And I'm, I would love to say, man, there was a lot of mountaintop experiences but there was mostly valley experiences during during that fast. But praise God, on day 32, I woke up, I could turn my head to center again, and my pain was broken. And, praise God. Yes, and I do tell people I'm 97% healed. I've done other fasts uh, within these last 10 years. Um, but I, there's still that 3% that's in there. I feel it every day. So I'm 97% healed, but to look at me, you wouldn't know that right. there, there's anything neurological wrong. Uh, I can walk again. I can exercise. You know, I can do everything. I can keep up with my kids. But that really started me on this journey where if I would see somebody, if I would bump into them uh, in a store, in a school hall- hallway, anywhere, if they said, oh, my, my father's just been diagnosed with cancer, my husband, he just left me, whatever it was, I would say at that moment, I'd say, can I pray for you right now? And no one has ever turned me down. No one has ever said, you mean right here in front of Captain Crunch? This seems so weird. No one has ever said that. Um, it, just two days ago, right here in, in downtown Franklin, where, where I live, I was walking. I saw a little girl who was obviously very sick. You could tell by looking at her, very sick child. And her mother, who looked so different from me and from everybody else who was on the street, and I talked to her about her little girl, and she told me what she was going through. And I said, can Mm. I pray for her right here? Mm. Now, to look at this woman, you would think that this woman would probably say, no, thank you. 
But she said, yes, absolutely. And so I, I, I prayed for her child. No one has ever turned me down, but it was because of what happened to me 10 years ago because I felt so sad and I felt so mad that God's people weren't doing what they should be doing and stopping and praying for me at that moment instead of saying, I'm going to pray for you and then walk away. And it just radically changed my life, Carmen. It changed my life, how I look at people, um, how, uh, you know, Jesus says in the Bible, he looked at people, he had compassion on them. He saw Mm -hmm. them with compassion. And, and I see that with people now, and I don't want people to come into church and thinking, wow, who's going to pray for me here? When they walk into church, they should know someone is going to pray for me in this mm-hmm. building. You know, mm-hmm. I shouldn't have to walk in here uh, disfigured uh, in body or in spirit and, and walk out and have no one pray for me. So it was just a huge wake up call for me. And I, and I try to tell people, hey, when you see somebody and you know they're hurting, pray for them right there at that moment. Mm-hmm. We're going to um, have Donna Van Leer equip us to do that here in just a moment. How do we pray for people right now? Like, how do we stop in the midst of the grocery store or on the street? How do we engage people um, and pray for them in the moment? And then we're also going to talk with Donna about how we cause each other to rise up. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do every morning on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. I don't want you to miss any of it. So check out the free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. One of the things I would like for you to consider is becoming a Faith Radio ambassador. We talk about walking our faith out into the world that God so loves and doing so in ways that honor Jesus, well, that's because we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. You can become a Faith Radio ambassador today and help us get the word out to others about this and other programs on the Faith Radio Network. Uh, We will supply everything that you need to share with others, and you can sign up to be a Faith Radio ambassador at MyFaithRadio.com. Continuing our conversation with Donna Van Leer. You know her as a New York Times bestselling author. I know her as uh, mom of Kate, you know, right? We have we have ways in which we know one another in community um, and the ways in which we then know one another professionally um, and in the culture. And Donna is um, a sweet sister in Christ who has had an experience of, of healing in her own life and experienced the power of God's um, mercy that comes when we pray. And she wants to encourage us to be real in prayer and to really pray, not to fall into the sin of failing to pray. Um, and so in, in that spirit, um, Donna, teach us to pray for people in the moment, like right now. Um, you talk about simply being intentional about including God in a conversation that I might already be having with another person. But I also think there is a um, there's a little bit of art to getting into the conversation with the woman on the street or the person in the grocery store. So can you talk us a little bit through that process in your own life? Yes. You know, it's just it's just coming alongside of someone. The Bible says, 
bear one another's burdens. And it's just coming alongside of someone and starting a conversation. And you're already in this conversation. And so you simply bring God into it as well. We make prayer weird, Carmen, because we Mm -hmm. think, oh, should I bow my head here in the dairy aisle? You know, should I should I touch this person? Or do I raise my hands? Do I get down on my knee? I mean, we just overthink it. It's like, do I do I come up with this right combination of words? I know I read this prayer book. Should I think of that? You know, we just overcomplicate it. And you're talking with someone, and then you just simply start talking to God as well. You can keep your eyes open. You don't have to make a show of it right there where you are, because you don't want them to feel weird. You want them to feel natural. This is how natural it is to talk to God. It's not complicated, and you just kind of lead them through it at that at that moment. Because again, two days ago on the street, to look at that woman, I would have thought she's going to say, no, don't, don't pray for me. I'm not into that. But she said, yes, absolutely. And so I, we were already chatting, and, and I just brought God right into the conversation and started praying right there at that moment. And Daniel 9.23 tells, tells us, well, we see that Daniel is praying for his people, and the angel Gabriel came to him, and he said, when you first started praying, an answer was given And I came to tell you because God loves you very much. And as we pray, we have to remember those words that as soon as we begin to pray, that God has already dispatched an answer in heaven. He's already at work. So two days ago when I prayed for that little girl on the street, God dispatched an answer. He was already working on on behalf of that little girl. And I think a lot of us right now, Carmen, even believers, we're feeling a lot of discouragement, a lot of oppression. I even heard that from a great prayer warrior friend of mine just last week. She texted me, I'm feeling so discouraged. And I told her, I said, it's the culture that we live in. <laughs> I mean, all you have to do is turn on the news. I mean, we are just bombarded every single day. But we have to remember that our prayers have power. And the teaching that you... um mentioned was from Psalm 18 that I was doing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, and I've heard this recently from friends, I'm praying, but nothing is happening. And I Mm -hmm. said, well, how do you know? Because you can't see it with your eyes. You don't feel it. You know, we're a feeling people. We have to feel everything. And in Psalm 18, it says that David cried to the Lord for help. And he says, from his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. So God heard David's prayers just as he hears ours. And immediately, this is what happens. I I encourage your listeners, read Psalm 18. This is in verse 7. David prays, and then this happens. The earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemy with great bolts of lightning. He routed them. Mm. We pray, and our prayers releases God's power. Do we feel those mountains shaking? Do we feel the earth trembling? No, 
we're not Paul and Silas. They did. <laughs> they felt it. But no, we don't. And we think, oh, well, then nothing's happening. But we're told in Scripture in Ephesians 6 that our our prayers are, we, we fight, we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Who feels those mountains shaking? Who who gets attacked by those arrows from God, Satan, and his demonic forces? That's who. So when we mm. pray, our prayers release God's power, and that Dark, the dark rulers, what the Bible calls those rulers and authorities here on earth and in the heavenly realms, they feel it and they scatter, Carmen. That's mm-hmm. incredible. So, Donna, um, give us um, give us the walk up words. You see the woman on the street in Franklin and you walk up to her and you say what? I just I asked her simply, I said, is your little lamb OK? Mm nice is your little and, lamb okay i i see yeah. i love that right i love that yeah, she obviously right. has a child who's in need and we see we see a person you know maybe bent over or struggling in some way and we ask them if we can help them do whatever it is that that looks like they are trying to do and having difficulty doing but we don't often ask the more important question which is are you okay Right. Um, because it's not it's not the help that I might be offering to reach the thing on the top shelf that the crippled person can't reach. Right. It's about whether or not I'm asking them the harder question, the deeper question. Um, you know, are you OK? And frankly, do you want to be healed? Right. I mean, that would be yes. the Jesus question. And then can I pray for you? Recognizing that the answer from that God may give in that moment might be no or it might be not now. Or yes. it might be yes. I mean, we might right. stand there in the middle of a miracle, but um, but to to pray is my responsibility as the person in that moment who is the person of faith with access to the Father through the Son. That's my role and responsibility to pray, not Absolutely. to hold God accountable for some kind of instantaneous answer that's in accordance with my expectations. Right. And many times we have to walk out our healing like I have been doing for the last 10 years. You know, the lepers, Jesus told them as they walked along that they were going to be healed, and they were. And if you remember that story, only one leper came back and thanked mm-hmm. Jesus. And Jesus said, well, not only are you healed, you are whole. Mm-hmm. You've been made whole. But it is our responsibility simply to pray, because the Bible, the look, God says, I am the Lord who heals you. We don't heal them. We're, that's not our responsibility. We have we don't have that. <laughs> We're not able to do that. But right. but God equips us with those prayers, and it's God who heals. We're just simply supposed to pray for them. So when I saw that woman, I'm, as a mom, again, to look at her, you would think, well, we have nothing in common. Well, I did have something in common with her. We're both moms. Mm-hmm. We have a shared humanity. And so I simply just asked her about her little lamb. And so then we began to talk. And again, I just simply brought God into the conversation. I didn't make it weird for her. I didn't make it weird for people on the street. I just simply brought God into it. And we were already talking. And so I began to talk to God as well. Mm-hmm. And and it just flowed naturally. It wasn't strange. It wasn't awkward. And then, and then we just walked our separate ways. And so 
there's many times that you're going to run into someone in a parking lot. You're going to run into them in the school hallways, in the church hallways, wherever, and it's going to be brief. And they're going to say, well, I've just gotten this diagnosis. And you can just simply say, I am so sorry to hear that, but can I pray for you right now? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be long prayers. Exactly. Yeah, even Jesus says, don't babble on and on like the pagans do. Don't do that. And again, it it starts to make it very awkward Mm -hmm. for people. Yeah. We're going to make it real, and we're going to intentionally bring God into the conversation. He's already present, and we have access to him. Donna, um, as always, thank you so much for your friendship. Thank you so much for joining us here today. You guys can visit with uh, Donna online. You know her writing. Now you also know her heart. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.